You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad. And, you know, there's an awful lot in social media particularly. Negativity wins followers. And in the news media, negativity wins readers. And negativity and headlines attract. And for some reason, as human beings, we tend to be programmed to look for the negative. But an interesting book is about to be launched and published here in Canada. Uh, It's by an Irish writer. It's Mark Henry. And Mark has spent a lifetime analyzing trends and what drives them. He trained as a psychologist and led the research and strategy functions of Irish technology companies before turning to do the same for the tourism sector. And having spent the past two decades telling people from all over the world what a great country Ireland is, and I tried to do that myself, he's passionate about sharing the incredible progress that we've made. And Mark has just published, in fact, an optimist's guide to Ireland at 100. Mark, thanks a million for coming along. Oh, thanks for the opportunity, Austin. So, over to you. I've... <laughs> Let me tell you about this, yes. And let's touch on everything that you've talked about there. I mean, firstly, why, in fact, an optimist guide to Ireland at 100? Well, of course, because next year Ireland has a big birthday. It's the 100th anniversary since we uh, won independence as a nation. So I thought, look, it's the, it's the perfect time to look back on the century to see, well, what have we achieved? Looking at everything, looking at economic progress, looking at social progress, looking at cultural progress, looking at education. And, you know, the conclusion is we've come an enormous way, and we don't necessarily appreciate it. Let's talk about that in a minute. But actually, we are now a country that the United Nations says has the second best quality of life on the planet, second only to Norway. And why do they say that? They say that because our uh, our economic wealth has never been greater. It's grown hugely in the last few decades. They say that because our education levels are amongst the highest in the world. Now, half of all Irish adults have a third-level qualification. Uh, and they say that because our longevity, our health, is really, really good as well. We're only two years behind Japan in terms of uh, how long the average Irish person will live today, 82 years. And indeed that, when I look back over the century, we've added a whole generation. We've added a generation. We literally live 25 years longer than those who are alive in 1922. So, so I had to turn it into an optimist guy because when you looked at the facts, there is an awful lot for us to celebrate. And when you say, when you look at the facts, unfortunately, I guess, you know, I've always grown up with them hearing their statistics, statistics and damn lies. <laughs> and a lot of times, you know, what we see is there's an awful lot of damn lies out there, particularly in social media. Yes, yes. yes. Now, I have a chapter at the end that says, of course, not everything is rosy. I mean, of course, we haven't reached a, a situation where we're a perfect nation just because you're, you're second best in the world. Nobody's solved everything, right? So there is, of course, a whole suite of challenges that face us as we enter our second century. I mean, people talk about, of course, a housing crisis in Ireland. It's not simply not enough homes because we're growing so fast. We've brought in a lot of immigration. Now, Ireland is one of the top uh, em- em- immigration destinations in Europe. Totally reversed that emigration trend that was so bad in previous decades. Completely eliminated us. Now, one in five people resident in Ireland was actually born elsewhere. So quite a transformation. Uh, Education has been really a critical factor, as I say, to our success as a country nowadays. But yet the amount we're investing in that as a country is half what it was a decade ago per student. There were cutbacks after the austerity years of the last recession and and the budget hasn't been restored. So, So, of course, there's work to do. And of course, not everybody feels happy or not everybody is benefiting equally. 
But overall, no matter what area you choose to look at, we are living longer, we are living healthier, we are eating better, we are learning more, we are earning more, uh, we are open to the world, our culture is strong, our society is strong, we're improving our environmental consciousness, it's not perfect, uh, but overall, we are happy people, actually. So uh, when you look at uh, surveys that are done, one recently done by the European Union, looking across all of Europe, about the happiest nations the Irish were the happiest because 97% said they were fairly or very happy with their lives. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't all want to win the lottery. You know, of course we do. And, you know, there's plenty of improvements that everyone's seeking. But on balance, we are actually one of the happiest nations. And why wouldn't we be? So, Mark, does grand mean you're happy? <laughs> I know. Of course it means there's room for improvement. But I think in the name... <laughs> Most days, grand is a good place to start. Now, you, you raised at the beginning, of course, well, wait a minute, why doesn't everybody feel that? Because, of course, they don't necessarily feel it. You talk about social media. Yeah, you know, when I'm talking about this stuff on social media, a lot of the time the sponsors, who's your man? What's he talking about? He's making this stuff up. Well, no, you have to read the book, in fact, because it's all very much the facts are there. The data is there behind all of these points. But, you know, human beings do have a tendency towards the negative. We literally have an inbuilt negativity bias. It's a well-proven psychological effect. There was a great study actually done in McGill University uh, there a couple of years ago where they brought in uh, volunteers and said, you know what, we're going to do an eye-tracking study. So we want you to sit down that computer there. It's just got some news articles on it and just have a scroll around to read some things there. We're going to calibrate the eye camera. Now, there wasn't any eye camera, actually. The point was that the website in front of them was perfectly balanced between positive news articles and negative news articles. And really what they were trying to see was what did people gravitate towards? And you know where this is going. They all gravitated towards the more negative news stories. And the more people were into current affairs and politics, the more they went towards the negative news stories. So, so A, we do have that tendency, and that does lead us to think that things are getting worse. But also, uh, we can, of course, in the current era, constantly follow the negative news cycle. So, you know, going back to when we were kids, Austin, you know, you're lucky if we had two TV channels and a newspaper. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you couldn't be on a news story 24-7. You couldn't follow uh, you know, a developing story. It was literally impossible to wait till the next day to see what had happened. But now, of course, you can. And again, research done in the States there around the, the terrorist attack on the Boston Marathon, it showed that people who were on social media, who were intently following the news cycle about the attack, had greater anxiety levels than those who knew someone who was actually there. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. again, it's just that challenge. We need a bit of context. And the book, in fact, is about giving that context. Actually, yes, of course, we all have challenges. But let's just step back a minute because we've achieved a lot. So I'm going to throw a few at you, which surprised me. One was the suicide rate has declined to its lowest level in 30 years. Yes, we are constantly hearing through the financial crisis and through the current situation with isolation and everything else that suicide rates were never higher. I know. And the facts are, it is at the lowest level in 30 years. And a couple of things have happened to do that. I mean, one is, look, how much more conscious are we about mental health these days? I mean, it's just compared to when I was a kid, it just was never talked about. So there's been, I mean, there's been a transformation. That, and that's a global thing. But in Ireland, investment in mental health services, mental health charities have grown up. And really, there has been a support system put in place there. But in fact, studies show that the biggest thing that's correlated with suicide, uh, sadly, is alcohol consumption. And, not coincidentally, Irish alcohol consumption is at its lowest level in 30 years, too. We are de- decreasing 
the amount of alcohol that we drink these days. Uh, so someday we'll crack that stereotype, Austin, that, that's associated with the Irish man. I, I, I would agree, and that's when I have a, a pet peeve about that, <clears throat> particularly uh, outside of Ireland, that uh, the stereotypical perception of who we are. And uh, it, I, I love this type of what you've done because it shatters so many of those stereotypical perceptions. Um, there were a few others that, that jumped out at me. Uh, you talked about uh, that, that uh, there were uh, maternal death during childbirth has been eliminated. Yes, and yes. now I'm going to throw back to a case, and I guess one would argue is it through uh, during childbirth or not, and that was Savita Halepanaver, and yes. because that was a high-profile news, but that that was not during childbirth, or was it? And that's exactly, exactly. Well, well, in that particular uh, tragic instance, it, it wasn't, as you say, it preceded uh, uh, the child's development uh, for the poor woman involved. But, but the, so there's two different points there, I suppose. I mean, one is yes, you know, maternal mortality. And indeed, infant mortality was a big thing in the early years of, of the last century, of the 1920s, 30s, 40s. It was a huge issue. Uh, I'm trying to remember the figures. Top ahead, I think it was um, uh, it was just under one percent of all mothers would give uh, would die giving birth in those early decades. You know, because the the, the, the people understanding disease wasn't there. Uh, you know, drugs to help uh, with anesthetics, all that wasn't there. Uh, and that began to begin to drop in the 1950s when Ireland began to invest in health services when, of course, new medicines came in, new techniques. And also when people stopped giving birth at home, because in those early decades, most births happened in the house and the midwife came along and there was no support, no medical expert really on hand to deal with problems. So that began what has been a decade by decade improvement, improvement, improvement to the point where, yeah, most years in the last decade, there are now zero, no mothers die at all uh, in the birth process. Have you, yeah, go on. There's, a, there's one or two here that I think are very relevant at the moment because there's a buddy of mine and he was put a post in today in a WhatsApp group about our, the erosion of our personal freedoms. And I'm seeing here our personal freedoms have increased. And not only that, um, that we have, well, it has become a safer place for in which to live. Two things that um, are hammered in the media because I'm, yes. I'm hearing at the moment that it's not safe to get on the train. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, you see, and yet, yes, specifically, uh, youth crime has halved in the last 20 years in Ireland. So youth crime has halved. In other words, both the number of cases that are coming before juvenile courts in Ireland has halved and the number before that of youths who are in trouble with the guards who are, who are put on a referral program to improve their behavior has halved. It's not that they're ignoring people. It's that genuinity. Economic opportunities for kids have increased. The amount of kids that are staying in secondary school has increased to its highest ever level. It's now 94, 95% of those who start in second level will get their leaving cert. That wasn't the case before. Kids are leaving, you know, earlier. Um, so the employment opportunities, the education opportunities, and of course, as I said earlier, the number who go on to third level education now. So there's lots of better, more constructive things for kids to be doing and it's elsewhere in the book there the number of kids who are who uh, in their teenage years consuming alcohol consuming drugs uh, smoking is decreasing it's decreasing radically the number of uh, of smokers is uh, is down by more than half in in just 15 20 years so you know the kids are doing all right actually of course there's still some troublemakers but it's getting better so mark 
the book uh, is due to hit the shelves. Um, and if anybody wants to get their uh, hands on it, uh, where can they go? Is it available in a soft copy virtually, or is it purely hard copy? If they want the hard copy, how to get that? If soft copy, how to get that? It's everywhere, Austin. So absolutely, it's in soft copy, and you can you can download it from your fin- your fa- favorite e-book store. Uh, but yeah, you can order it now from from Amazon or from Kenny's uh, uh, Art.ie or. Uh, book depository, any of the good places that you might want to go to online or even ask your local bookstore. So it's it, it's a weighty tome because there's a hundred remarkable achievements for Ireland's first hundred years. And I look at it, some of the challenges, the 10 biggest challenges that face us for the next century. But overall, there is a really good story to tell. And I think it does challenge a lot of people's perceptions about Ireland today. And I, I hope in a very positive way. And Mark, if anybody wants to find you out there, you're available on the internet. MarkHenry.ie, of course, is where you'll get me. Thanks a million, Mark. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you and uh, finding out more about, in fact, an optimist guide to Ireland at 100. Thank you, Austin.